0: You are listening to Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and on corporate media. And so far, corporate media has been full of misinformation about the Russia-Ukraine situation. And we have the director of Ukraine on fire and revealing Ukraine here to talk to us about the constructed reality of Ukraine. So today we have Igor Lapotnuk, and one quick question. Um, The West always talks about how they have um, freedom of speech. What happened to your most recent documentaries? uh, That
1: Yes, let me uh, shortly introduce myself. I'm Ukrainian, roots American, American citizen who's lived in the United States from 2008. And I'm a filmmaker, producer, and director. I work and collaborate on four projects with Oliver Stone, famous Hollywood writer and producer and director, who is, whom I call him my teacher, my master, maestro. And uh, one of that film was recently censored by YouTube. YouTube takedown link, it was not our prime link for distribution of the film. Film would call, would have a name, Ukraine on fire. And that film about historical perspectives of that conflict, what now is raging in Ukraine, and uh, we believe uh, that film was we start filming in 2013, finish it 2016, and release it in Europe and international film festival in Taormina. We was awarded for the best documentary, and we distributed everywhere. We was in the Europe, uh, Canada, United States, Vietnam, everywhere. This was popular film. And until now, we was trying to be like you know limited in our freedom of speech before, but so brutal just taking down the link. That's it. That was first time. And I believe that censorship and censoring the filmmakers from giving they alternative perspective, alternative vision on the mainstream media narration. This is what us our film about. We confront mainstream media narrative and the Ukrainian. Conflict because we know it better.
0: Can I ask you okay. questions? Um, one thing you forgot to, to, to talk about yourself is that you like to turn Sol- old Soviet films into color. Can, can you just right? No, you know,
1: I, I started working in a film business in 2005, and I, three years I moved. I worked in Ukraine in Kiev. After I was more and more involved in a big media, big movie production after transporter free of luke Besson, uh, i was moved to los angeles and yeah from 2009 to 2016 i did a lot of work with the restoration and the colorization of uh, classic soviet films i believe uh, overall it's a uh, 13 or 16 films with a great success on the on the russian speaking territory and uh, yeah this is how that's that's one of my activity. after that i start more and more involved in the producing of feature in documentaries and now I'm more mostly direct documentary as a director okay. but still that still produce the films yeah so overall more than 30 projects one of them big I work for Andrew Konchalovsky and his Nutcracker and the Red King oh, I, I work know. on a transporter free for Luc Bisson I work with uh, uh, other independent uh, filmmakers in the Ukraine in the, uh, Europe France Poland Germany I was executive, one of executive producers on Snowden in 2016 with Oliver Stone. And we did two documentaries with him named Ukraine on Fire and Revealing in Ukraine. Recently, we, we just finished the big documentary series and the feature named Kazakh History of the Golden Man. Oh, this, is my- a, yeah, this is a history of Kazakhstan, the big country in a, located in Central Asia, and a charismatic leader who was in power for 30 years. We release releasing this soon and uh, in the, in this spring.
0: Okay, we have to inter- interview you again when you release this. Yeah. So, with regards to Ukraine, uh, I was watching the documentary and it was amazing. I thought I knew. I was. I, I thought I like. I've been to Russia. I've. I'm familiar. I'm familiar with the area. I thought I knew what was going on, but your documentary shocked me because there are so many things that I needed to uh, that, that, that just made my heart like go. <gasps> um, so uh, there are two parts to it, Ukraine mm-hmm. on fire and I guess the f- f- Final. U- yes, follow
1: Yes, follow-up was, was named Revealing Ukraine. Yeah, okay. And we also did third part, what call, it's a long, long title, Ukraine, 30 years of independence, the everlasting present. Uh, that movie was without Oliver Stone because he was busy with other projects and we have not enough the budget to accommodate him. But it's also that touching the Ukrainians, we interview President Yushchenko, we interview a couple of prime minister the, uh, and high profile Ukrainians on the both side of this political spectrum in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, so eight years, and I also have a small uh, short documentary, 57 minute, what's called Maidan Massacre, uh, what we filmed in 2014. We already filmed undercover on, in Ukraine and Ukraine main plaza because it was numerous threats. So, so censorship for me, it's nothing, something new. You know, I experienced that from Ukrainians before. <laughs> My movie was banned in Ukraine. I was announced public, uh, public enemy in Ukraine. TV network was planning to air revealing Ukraine in 2019 was hit by grenade from grenade launcher during the night. And I receive numerous uh, death threats on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere, Twitter. I don't care about this. I mean, I care about my safety. I take all precautions for that. I adopt a good German shepherd. I'm a good shooter. I have nine firearms. So uh, this is a war. Even if it's an informational war, they targeted me as an enemy because of my films. And, you know, they call okay. me numerous times Russian propagandist, mm, oh. taking money from Putin. Blah, Every blah, blah. single
0: day. Same yeah,
1: here. That's all bull. We even laugh about that with a team of press secretary of uh, Russia that got, uh, because they said, uh, oh, we hear the press, but we uh, we finance your film. I said, yeah, maybe you finance, but I don't get any sense. <laughs> That's exactly Sorry. what I feel like. Yeah. Okay. So uh, go ahead. Uh,
0: well, yeah. so the first part of the film, you introduce a man who is a lawyer named Viktor Medvedchuk. The yes. he sounds like like a reasonably he sounds like the Ukrainian version of Putin, for lack of a better description.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
0: so what we learn is that Ukraine was one of the industrial powerhouses in Europe, and yes. you guys made uh, tractors, trains, ships, and things like that, right?
1: Ukraine make a lot of wheat that was also agricultural center and the, the, uh, the uh, breadbasket of Europe. And Ukraine was very developed in the industry. They make the rockets flying to the space and the military rockets. They make the planes very advanced. They make ships. So they was very much in advance. They was number six on the production of steel. And, uh, and it's a rich country. And Ukraine was uh, after the, Russia was second richest uh, republic, and after Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. But look what's what's happened for these 30 years. The Kazakhstan, <laughs> who started twice smaller economy and much more isolated, has not such a easy access to the markets as U- Ukraine has because Ukraine lay on the border of Europe. Now the Kazakhstan have three times bigger GDP per capita. Kazakhstan grew population for the 3 million from the, uh, 1991. Ukraine lost a lot. So it was million. A f- 55 million people live in Ukraine. Uh, uh, for the last eight years, 6 million gone. As I understand now, Ukraine, before that conflict started, was around 30 million only, 29. 20, uh, because officially, officially they don't do counting because they're afraid. They can show too much people live. But oh. we, know, we know for sure that people live in Ukraine on a tremendous amount. You know, this is only one reason for government to exist, That's to take care about the people of the nation. And if that government showing that numbers and economy and the well-being of uh, people living in a country, so probably is some kind of big problem with the government. And don't oh. forget civil war was raging in Ukraine for eight years.
0: Oh, okay. So um, can we talk about the first coup? Uh, so there is a candidate, Viktor Yushchenko. Um, his wife actually worked for, I guess, Ronald oh, yeah, Hold That's a very
1: interesting question you're talking. You, you, you're talking straight to the point. How they met. They met on a plane. Oh, okay. Uh, Yekaterina Chumachenko, who at this time was a, a government official of the United States. She worked for State Department and for the White House. And I believe she is a CIA she met Yushchenko on a trip to New York from mm-hmm. Europe, uh, accidentally sit uh, close to him and they fall in love and they married each other. And this is how CIA started grooming First Revolution, what's called in Ukraine Orange Revolution. In 2004, after election was won by Yanukovych, they protesting against that. They took millions of people on the streets. And after that pressure, they announced the second round of election, and with a small, very little positive numbers, Yushchenko won. Yanukovych gave up the power, and they and the Yushchenko come to power. For that four years in power, but he was a president of Ukraine. He completely destroyed his reputation as a, because he is actually not a statesman. You know, mm-hmm. you see, you see, no, he is not a statesman. He he has no quality to be a president. Mm-hmm. He is a politician, yes. He, from the financials, he was an accountant in a big banking system, but he never know how to play that game of power. What you need to know how to play, if you want to handle Ukrainian oligarchs, all that different political parties, and that ruthless people who is very much corrupted. So Yushchenko never know how to do that, but he gave a lot of his energy to grow and to legitimize Ukrainian radicals and Ukrainian ultranationals. Okay, so he He was... um, Yeah, yeah, hold on. So
0: he did... did, uh, Okay, so, uh, I mean, Ukraine has a very long uh, history that's a lot, not very... Some of it is not very pleasant with regards to the Second World War and stuff like that. So, and I guess a lot of exiles, uh, a lot of them came to the US uh, and Canada. So how did he... um, bring the far right elements into ukraine I guess. oh
1: listen first of all ukraine as a country was produced by the soviet union mm-hmm. because because before that such a war as ukraine ukraine not exist first ukrainian independence was gained in 1918 and it exists only for 18 months and it's only why, because the Russian empire, after the socialist revolution in, in St. Petersburg in uh, October of 19, uh, 1917, give a birth to Ukraine. Ukrainian nationalists understand that's a perfect chance to do that, to uh. separate from Russia. And Germany, Germany, on this time, support them because they need uh, Ukrainian resources. They need the wheat and they need steel production. But before that, Ukraine was 300 years with Russia. From time of Bogdan Khmelnytsky in, in the 17th century, uh, I believe it's uh, uh, 1654, when they, after the fight with uh, Turkish Ottoman Empire and after the fight with uh, uh, Crimean Tatars and after the fight with Poland, with Rzeczpospolita, the, the Bogdan Khmelnytsky come to the Russian Tsar and ask him for protection and ask him for the union. And after carefully considering, the Russian Tsar grant him this protection and they, they signed the treaty and Ukraine was part of Imperial Russia for 300 years. You know, Leo Tolstoy- well, it was, was the,
0: actually a partnership because that's not what the nationalists claim. So it was a, like, it was a true partnership.
1: Oh, listen, that was a part of empire, Slavic empire, when the big Russia called the white Russia the malarus Mala, malarus Mala malarus malarussia mean malarussia <laughs> Mala that russia. was exactly malarussia was exactly ukraine and belarussia what was on, the, on the, 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 yeah that's that's when the, and also it was a yellow russia because it's a central asia republic and the kazakhstan Kyrgyzstan ah! others, caucasians they all was part of this one empire but it was not territorial division in, in this empire and it's tsar russian imperial rule that country by the will of god so because russia has uh in the russian term i cannot translate it to english oh, wait, Saba, sab, ca- tsarism, or that okay. was you know that was a way of religious blessed ruler who is responsible not to the people but to the god yes. for that territory this is a very very interesting story and everybody who is not russophobic uh i recommend to go and to study that because To understand what's going on in conflict with ukraine and to understand why it's so different for perception in russia and in west why ukraine has a totally different values you need to study russian history and that's what we try to cover in our two films yeah that, that was Historic. a beautiful
0: little clip where you go through all the different kingdoms and, oh, and the fact that Ukraine was always like a multi-ethnic, many religions, many languages, many ethnicities, yes. uh, always. Yes. Um, there was, um. so Yushchenko... I guess they create a mythology around Bandera. I guess who's in.
1: Oh yeah, but this is a very, very special character, and we 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 want to touch it because now in the current narration they say this is no no neo-Nazi, no Nazi in Ukraine oh. at all. But first of all, <laughs> this is a brutal brutal lie and attempt to pre pre uh, to present. The reality and distorted ways. oh,
0: oh, oh I, I know I was looking at this um, PBS for me the most shocking was looking at this PBS clip and they had this mayor from this town of Kanetop, mm-hmm. and his he was okay let's see he has a yeah. car that says Heil Hitler he's mm-hmm. um he's just like so outrageous like they should have asked him something like do you believe uh, did you le-? I don't know anything no they they just let him come and demonize uh, Russia and not even once mentioned that he's um, fascist
1: <laughs> yes and that's 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 very dangerous because you know we can do as much as we can movies articles publications speeches interviews but you never can change the mind of nazi with mm-hmm. this they will still torturing people killing them because they believe in one thing. they better than we are they mm-hmm. the different sort that's officials in ukraine even the president Zelensky, and when they said no, but President Zelensky, he is a Jewish. How he can be Nazi? Oh, listen, give me a break. Study history. That was a brutal, brutal Jewish people who was a members of National Socialist Democratic Party of uh, Germany, and they was a Jewish, and they kill other Jew, and they mm-hmm. also kill other peoples and Slavs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So don't make that an excuse. The man who calling. Who openly, on camera, asking the journalist, "You calling these people a people?" And uh, (gasps) and the journalist, and the journalist said, "Yes. uh, How you call them? They call them something different." But in Russia, that's also be. Oh my God! Persons, (laughs) persons. This is your people. This is this is citizens of Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, the ex prime minister called the uh, people in Donbass as a subhumans, and uh, and the president Poroshenko telling openly, so our people, our kids will go to school, and they people go to hide in the basements. Oh my! This God. that's all of that. It's a hypocrisy an unbelievable level. So th- trust me, if Ukraine, this is not belong to Zelensky. Ukraine, this is a land to belong to Ukrainians, and that Ukrainians live eight years under tremendous oppression of minority who is brutal, neo-Nazi, who push mm-hmm. their radical ideology up to the top, and they also based their ideology on the demonization of Russia and personally Mr. Putin. You mm-hmm. can like Russia or you can hate Russia, but Russia will still exist, and it's the biggest border of Ukraine having that's a border with Russia. We cannot imagine Russia disappear from this border. I'm a Ukrainian citizen and I was studying in Russia. The Soviet Union invest heavily in my education and my healthcare and everything. And that was a country with a principles. You know what? I, I see your the name, the late night with Lenin. I don't big admirer of Vladimir Lenin, uh, but I cannot say that he was not a big thinker. He was a great politician and he was a guy who liberate a lot of people from the previous uh, social construction, like a capitalism and imperialism. Yeah, but nobody cared about that. Ukrainians with a, with a uh, chanting the revolution, revolution, take down all Lenin. Oh my
0: oh. God, yeah. And then they...
1: And, yeah, that's so ridiculous because that guy wrote the best book about the theory of state and the revolution. That's that's called exactly the same day, yeah. uh, revolution and state. Yeah, and imperialism,
0: and- the highest stage of capitalism.
1: Correct. And uh, oh, now- okay.
0: actually, I'm glad you brought up Lenin because um in the first interview, um Victor Med
1: Medvedchuk, Medvedchuk, Medvedchuk
0: explains yeah. how the U.S. turned Ukraine into a colony. Like, what is he talking about there?
1: Yeah, that's a that's we call that the client state. If you mm-hmm. if you properly, so Ukraine was independent the papers, they try to build the independent state and keep the sovereignty. And you know, sovereignty, it's a very precious gift, and it's very hard to get, and it's very easy to lose. As soon as the bunch of oligarchs and uh, and uh, opposition leaders, such as Klitschko, uh, Torchinov, Yatsenyuk, Poroshenko, Tegnibok, they decide to use that protest activity and discontent in a society in a late Yanukovych term in the 2013-2014, they decide the only one thing what can protect them from being overthrown. This is immediately blame Putin and ask for protection from the United States. And they did. And the United States played very well. Victoria Nuland was responsible for all this operation in Ukraine on the field. And also, don't forget, he is now not mentioned so often, Jeffrey Pyatt, who is now ambassador of United States to Greece, but who was ambassador of United States to Ukraine during that uh, coup d'etat in 2014.
0: Uh, Okay, one quick question. Um, uh Why did, okay, so back then the president was Viktor Yanukovych. Yeah. Why didn't the United States find him useful? Like what did they not like about him?
1: Well, first of all, they recognized the election of 2010 in Ukraine as democratic election. Uh He was completely, after that, they start pressuring because Yanukovych try. Uh, you know what? What's happened next? Next, couple of oligarchs, led by Renata Ahbetov, the richest man in Ukraine, who like worth was more than 20 billions at the time, he decided would he have a, a very good economical scheme if the open trade, free trade with Russia will keep, and to open the border with Europe and to sign association agreement with Europe. This is practically trade agreement, nothing more. No, uh, okay. no what more. Did
0: the, uh, well, okay. So from what I can gather, the European Association Agreement was very confusing, but it seemed to be like they had it had something to do with some IMF loans.
1: No, and, uh, that, that that's association agreement talk about only how Ukraine trade with Europe. So they uh, given this Ukraine status of free trade. They open the borders of Ukraine for European goods, and they give the status of favorable, favorable nation to Ukraine with a trade in. And oh. Russia was against that with a very simple reason that Mr. Putin explained it directly to us in, in our interview. So Russia at this time negotiate the World Trade Organization agreement when Russia joined World Trade Organization mm-hmm. carefully for 15 years, and because they don't want that agreement Damage the economy of Russia in very specific areas, like in agriculture, or etc. etc. So, when Ukraine step in with idea to be uh, to sign an association agreement with Russia, with the Europe, Russia demand to take part in this negotiation because it will affect the Russia because Russia has an open border with Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And and Europeans said no. In Ukrainians said no to Russia. So that was a big disagreement and that this is why the prime minister, not a president, prime minister of Ukraine, uh, Nikolai Azarov, in 2013, in November, he, they announced they postponing the signing of association agreement because unresolved issues and because that agreement is switching from uh, Russian standards to European standards. And, uh, and, uh, and the trade and everything and the industry and standards of producing goods, uh, packaging them, selling them. Uh, so it's it will cost Ukraine a tremendous amount of money, like a 300, 500 billions. And, and Europe do not promise anything to Ukraine in return. They said, no, we're not going to fund uh, this agreement for you. We're not going to fund that all changes. So they postponed. And after that, Ukraine has a uh, very bad situation with debt because uh, the, the devil was in the clause of default. But Yanukovych go to Moscow and ask Putin to help because they need to pay for the gas. They need to pay for natural gas. And Putin grant him 15 billion credit and transfer first 3 billion immediately. This is was how that situation was evolving in a way what can benefit Ukrainian citizens because ah. it's built... Yeah. but but not to benefit to this opposition who's who's immediately jump on the wagon of of protest and they try to use technology was described in the john sharp book a color revolution and uh, and they start to make their si- sacred victims they fake, oh, okay, okay. Pro- well, hold on one yeah.
0: second. L- let's mm-hmm. just slow down so um Basically, if, 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 if a completely logical person would definitely take the trade with Russia because there was clearly better terms. Um, when Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State, she always spoke about civic society. What is mm-hmm. that, and what does that mean?
1: Civic society is, we, if we take into the uh, Wikipedia, this is the society when the citizens involved very much. But
0: that's not what she means, can, right?
1: And oh no, of course she means totally different. So this, is, this is all hypocrisy about that because when you call in the lie, the truth, when you call in the Nazi, the freedom fighter, mm-hmm. and when you call in the opposition, the separatist. This is how hypocrisy is working here. So civic society is supposed to be the way when citizens can confront the government and keep government accountable. Mm-hmm. But in Ukrainian case, that was totally different. That was civic society of activists who was trained to overthrow the government, to produce and to coordinate how to coordinate, how to produce the fakes, how to blame government for everything, what they, what the government do, how to bring people on the streets, and after that how to seize the power. That was a Hillary. Hillary was very much involved with uh, Viktor Yushchenko. If you look on a famous Putin speech in two thousand seven in Munich, on a security conference, you will see in a front row that few. Few uh, very well-known faces. The Viktor Yushchenko sit close to the Hillary Clinton on the one side, and a and a Senator McCain on another. Oh, so to understand who was behind that, this was that people who was behind the first revolution in Ukraine, McCain, Hillary, as well as the Russian oligarch and the way Boris Berezovsky, who gave the money for this revolution. And two thousand fourteen, of course, McCain was on the stage very very vocal But before we
0: get to that um Mm -hmm. I, i just want people to understand what happened so it's a weird thing like for example um when the bolshevik revolution was happening the bolsheviks were able to get like thousands of people to protest because they were actually asking for things like living wage no child labor but in this um Maidan, they weren't really asking for anything. So how did they get all these people to come and I guess protest?
1: Oh, this is a good question. First of all, Ukrainians is very law-abiding citizen citizens, but if you put the citizens who is struggling, who has a problem with economy, and 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 there's a a lot of corruption in the country, and a very few people is very rich, and a lot of people is very poor. You have a perfect setting for, for protest, but for revolution probably not, because for revolution you need to have elites what can't. It's actually, by the way, Lenin definition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when elites yeah, when elites can't go any further, and the population or citizens cannot go any further, so that they don't want and they don't care and they can't. So this is how the revolution uh, situation described in the Lenin words. But oh, it yeah. was not a revolution in Ukraine. They, no. train, they trained activists through the Soros uh, uh, Foundation, through uh, different others, uh, non governmental National Endowment. A national Endowment for Democracy. And uh, Victoria Nuland said openly, what the United States dedicate and spend five billions of dollars to help Ukraine to build the democracy and to, <laughs> and to and as she said, to ease another goals, I mean ease another goals that's how to make a regime change in attempt and don't don't make them fool you. this is not a revolution no, because no, revolution it's not. yeah yeah, that was a a coup. A, a coup and in a <laughs> way of. And and with with the methodology and technology of Uh, color revolution.
0: So for me, what the cool? Okay, when I was looking at your second film, it it looked like I was watching a ballet where there's a choreographer who's saying you do five pirouettes and then you do the jeté. Like it, it looked like there was a choreographer like I don't know teaching these dancers on stage, and like that's how I felt throughout the whole second documentary. So how do they choreograph all like so first of all who's the audience and why do they choreograph all
1: this to do to do this you need to have a free things you need to have a media you need to have a technology or methodology and you need to have the money so they did it exactly in that way so first they spend the money to teach the people how to properly protest for the best perception so they ah! have, so they, they teach the people how to film everything what's police doing, how to provoke police, <laughs> and after that film police attacking the uh, attacking the people. That's the first. Second, they set up the independent media. It's called independent. It's not not independent. If the government of Netherlands or the National Endowment for Democracy and Soros Foundation join the forces and fund. Such a TV station as a Gramatzke, what's called the civilians. Yeah, that's how the, the you you engaging in the color revolution and the regime changing. So you need to do what you people on the streets. It's a very dangerous thing, and I believe that's any revolution, every revolution, affecting the re- regular citizens' well-being in a very bad way. After revolution is inevitable. Uh, the terror cabinet and revolution start eating their own kids and uh, and after that they gov- the government is uh, uh, not complete not exactly that people who you, know, you know that statement about no no, no I, I know
0: i mean like yeah. poroshenko okay so so yeah yeah so uh, what you described? hold on let me look uh, I, I i just give me one our
1: our, our second title for ukraine fire when we just finished the film it was ukraine on fire hijacked hope. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The people has a hope. You, for you
0: called it puppets begin to live their own lives, but I yeah. often call it Frankenstein yeah. loses control of his monster. So, what, what do you mean by that? Like you said that in your film, this is
1: a very good. This is a very good metaphor, I believe. And uh, but the, you know what? We need to be closer to the contemporary events because Ukraine, uh, eight years of history and history of this coup, very clear for me. Maybe not clear for audience, but especially for Americans, because they pay very little attention and they digest only information from CNN, exactly Uh
0: uh,
1: ABC, CBS. And that was a lot of bull in this. It was mainstream narration was completely not out of touch with reality. So they nobody talking about the neo-Nazi in Ukraine nobody mm-hmm. studied how ukraine eight years fight a civil war against their own citizens in the eastern part of ukraine and donbass how they shelling their houses with a heavy artillery what they killed 14 uh, and they said me oh russian killing innocent kids the first of all the innocent mm-hmm. kid was start to be killed by ukrainians and they killed that kids for the eight years second they russia start the war no russia no. finishing this war russia okay do everything to to make the end to this war and unfortunately unfortunately this is no any other way when you're fighting against fascism as the russian soldier with a red flag uh <laughs> putting that red flag on the top of reichstag everybody yes. who forget this doing the big mistake russians exactly. believe russians believe in the things what's match the reality the west who is now no. sanctioning Russia and helping ukraine helping Zelensky, they doing tremendous mistake because because they believe in constructed reality exactly you know, it's, a
0: fair, the, it, it's it's more it's worse than constructed reality. it is like what i what I would call where they it's like a mirror world like, have you seen Star Trek where you have a uh, Spock yeah. yes. it's le- it's kind of like they it's like they're in that world, but they don't realize that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the Spock actor who played the Spock in Star Trek in the future, he was working with us. He played Glenn Greenland in the Al <laughs> Snowden film. So oh, I, very I did much, not know that. Yes, yes. He was in Al Snowden and he did very great. And oh, uh, I also... older oh, 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 actor was part Ukrainian? Uh, no, no, no. I, think I, I don't. I don't remember so. But listen, I want to say big thank you for Glenn and for people from Rumble who is a step in uh day before yesterday and and stop that censoring of ukrainian fire because now we're doing so good on rumble we have four hundred thousand 000 views only for two days and the, and the audience mostly discuss it and very much engaged in the in the topic of the film we very much appreciate everyone oliver stone the glenn Greenwood and the and the uh, mr pavlovsky from rumble who stepped in and others who was involved and uh, who step in and stop that brutal attack on the freedom of speech because when you're limiting any other voices and you're keeping only one voice this is exactly what the information interest uh, technology information influence operation are uh, talking about you need to saturate the media uh-huh. with one point of view and you need to shut down and the limit to the, to the zero any other voices and after that lie proceeding to be truth exactly this is is not some like only my thinking this is was described in the department of defense uh seven volumes of technology of informational war that's all the very brutal people very very dangerous people who run in this uh operations don't don't make any mistake people who producing that fakes in the media who spreading them uh, around the world this is not just an activist that people no. trained they working for ukrainian military under uh, united states military supervision this is how bad is it and you know what and this ended up in a, in a, in the heads of american audience but you know i believe that americans has nothing to do against russia i believe that americans has enough critical thinking to understand uh. where is a lie, where is a fake, <laughs> and why did people produce this lie? Why did uh. people produce the fakes? Sooner or later, everyone will know how bad the people like Victoria Nuland and McCain, what what's tremendous uh, criminal acts they commit. The
0: editorial and production staff would like to apologize to our CIA handlers for providing some background and context to the Ukrainian-Russian conflict. Due to the crowded field of media outlets, we were unable to book anyone with a correct perspective. We promise to do better. And if you Venmo us enough cash, we'll overdub our guests to toe any lines you email us. Want us to release a video where we dub in a Bandera photo in the background? Consider it done. Or if you're not subscribed to our Substack. We kindly invite you to support your comrades at Historically by going to historically.substack.com and subscribe today. Also, check us out on YouTube and Twitch with Late Nights with Lenin. Get commentary and trolling from a 100 years ago by the absolute master of the form, and see how little has changed. It is what is to be done. So the government after Poroshenko doesn't really, not only do they not investigate, but they just kind of uh, give amnesty, but then there's a professor who takes all the data and figures out yes. what the scientific truth is. I, like
1: I, Ivan Kachanovsky, uh, the professor politologist from uh, Canada, Ottawa, Canada. Yeah, he is a, he is a maybe number one scholar in the world uh, of scholars and aca- aca- academicians who studied the Maidan massacre in details. He pro- pro- he produced a tremendous coverage. He gathered all of evidence from the uh, YouTube uh, phones and the, and the audio recording. And he's showing in his studies, this is open, this is published everywhere. What's uh, the version of government police of Yanukovych killing the people on the Maidan is a complete fake. And the protesters were killed as well as the police by hired guns. And the people who hired them that was an opposition leader. And we know everyone. We can name the names. So the andre Parubi, who was a commandante, so self-proclaimed commandante of oh, Maidan. Uh, he was window. in charge in of self-defense of Maidan. And he was making the deals with the uh, snipers who was shooting the people.
0: Oh, no, that, okay. So, the, so, this is, so, and I guess what shocked me is how much of it caught on film. So you were like, so, so apparently they were placing... Almost, they were telling their victims to come to this spot, and then they got cameramen to come and film that. Yes,
1: yes, That's is a how this is a how low they moral. They stage complete. The, uh, they make it as a film. They make it as a as a movie. They they define the place. They request the media to be there, and after that, they send innocent idiots. Sorry to say, protesters here who was killed on camera and produced this very much needed picture for the cnn and for everyone so this is how they work this is how they work out exact their tactics on the maidan so and we I, you, we expose it we expose okay, you, you it, we call bring, it
0: sacred mm-hmm. victims and then yeah. i see that they actually have like a jesus on a cross like going through kiev and yeah
1: yeah yeah this is an old technology they do mythologization of uh that victims they was told when the when the Ukrainian nationalists visiting uh, re- leaders of opposition visiting American embassy in Kiev, and they asked, where is our all media support? Why nobody talking about all these horrible events in the West? And they was told, not enough casualties. You oh need my to God! Bring at least a hundred, and they did. They call it uh, heavenly hundred, and they ca- they were struggling to kill such a lot of people. So they right in in this in this list of the people who die from the overdose of drugs oh and my the maidan, God. people who hang themselves on the christmas tree in maidan so t- trust me maidan was a horrible event it was a horrible on the energy level and a spiritual level that was a disaster uh, okay so that how was act of evil
0: petro poroshenko like he has a tv channel and he's a billionaire like yes. how did he become president
1: he understand that uh, that people who lead in protest not holding that uh, enough, good, mm-hmm. and uh, joining the forces with uh, Alexander Turchinov who is uh, was a uh, ruthless, corrupted, and very evil-minded man who started the war. that's was the, the on one Donbass? who would they hijack. Yeah, that's a bold guy. Bold guy. I know. No, him no, no, no,
0: no. Is he the one? Okay, so he would like he had a lot of defamation suits, right?
1: Who? Uh, Turchinov or Poroshenko? Torchinov. Uh, I don't know about defamation suit. I think he's a, he's a Nazi criminal. He's a guy who started the war. He's supposed to sit on the bench. And oh, he was end.
0: the temporary, he was the guy, okay, yes, no, 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 I he know. was a
1: temporary president. He was the yeah. guy
0: after Viktor Yushchenko left the country. Yeah,
1: let me let me cover a little bit uh, about, uh, Mr. Turchinov, Alexander Turchinov, to uh, let audience understand who he was. He worked as an assistant for the corrupted Ukrainian prime minister, Pavlo Lazarenko, in the 90s. He's from Dnepropetrovsk, my hometown. I know him personally. After that, Lazarenko was run away out of uh, Kuchma, uh, Ukraine, and uh, was jailed here uh, and prosecuted for corruption in the United States. Now he resides in California. But his assistant, uh, uh, Turchinov, he he was shift him to Yulia Tymoshenko, another corrupted Ukrainian politician who did the fortune on trading the natural gas of Russia and stealing that gas and uh, forcing the the Ukrainian uh, the metallurgical plants and other enterprise to buy exactly that natural gas from their company. And Yulia Tymoshenko was also jailed in Ukraine. And Turchinov abandoned her. at the time of Maidan. And he go to the very top of the power because he understand the power concentrate is here. And Poroshenko, when he understand is only Turchinov serious in this company, he join his forces and uh, they elect him the president in Ukraine, Poroshenko. And Turchinov got the, the position of National Security Council uh, chief.
0: Okay, um, quickly they're like changing the constitution, but they're not having a popular referendum. Um, so first
1: of all, first of all, removing Yanukovych power was complete illegit. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, talking from the point of law, that still uh, the president of Ukraine is a Viktor Yanukovych. Why? Because it's very cl- clear and clever in Ukrainian constitution. The process of removing the president from power or impeachment uh, described. It's supposed to be a vote in a parliament and free uh, from four waters supposed to be for that and it's supposed to be special prosecutor appointed and this special prosecutor need to investigate and after that impeachment supposed impeachment bill supposed to be approved by not the majority but by supermajority of ukrainian parliament ukrainian parliament do not vote on the supermajority numbers on the days of february 2014 so the removal of they, they invent the pretext what Yanukovych fled the country and cannot perform the duty of president. And they appointed, they not elect. They appointed Turchinov to be interim president. This is all cool. And you know what? United States and State Department immediately recognized that power.
0: Oh, this
1: yeah, is, yeah, they, they jump on the sh- a wagon. Yeah.
0: Shocking thing is watching Obama say that we are sanctioning these four people for undermining the sovereignty of Ukraine. And yeah. I'm like, you're the United what? States. <laughs> it was just yeah, don't, talking that.
1: don't don't be fooled. This is not a, uh, a Joe Biden who rule our country now, United States. This is Obama people rule that country. Of course. I, I, I even believe that's Joe a nuclear Biden's football. Joe like,
0: Biden doesn't even know yeah. where Ukraine yeah, he's is. He sleeping like Iranian the, people. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's sleeping in the White House. He's not leader. He's, he's very now but Obama people do. And we were talking about who from Obama people. Oh, that's not exactly we saw, we, we, we see the very familiar faces. Victoria Nuland, one of them. But Obviously. even, you know, uh, the history of this conflict that Robert Kagan, famous American American, Meocon. and, yeah, and the, by the way, husband of Victoria Nuland, oh. who's, who, yes, he is, a, he is a husband of Victoria Nuland. That man construct the war in Iraq through the think tank, Call APAC, APAC. They disbundled that uh, vehicle when they understand the Dick Cheney adventure to Iraq was wrong and out of rail, and uh, they just destroyed in Iraq, and the, the oil output was diminishing tremendously, so they have no very big result. So they just hide behind that. They dismantle the IP. After that, Victoria Nuland was working with a, uh, International uh, Atomic Energy agency to uh, accuse Iran in the violating of nuclear uh, non-profiliation and Robert Pyatt, or not Robert, but Jeffrey Pyatt was a uh, her lieutenant. That was all in our Ukrainian fire film. But uh, uh, later, Nuland was so involved in Ukraine as an Under Secretary of State by Europe, uh, European Affairs under Obama administration. And if Hillary Clinton uh, win 2016, She's supposed to be the Secretary of State. Jesus Christ. Now, yeah, okay. this is this is how you know the the Oral Book 1984. It's look like very easy, <laughs> easy, easy. No, no, no. Easy reading. Easy reading. They never he he, he he never described it as a script for the our reality. But we doing much better than the script from the point of view of neocons. They try to manipulate and of course they bring all that technology, what they study in Ukraine, and they tested in ukraine they bring it here from 2016 and 2020 and they use it in united states they stole the election they put the people on the street they did everything they provoke the police during the 6th of january they they work into the book they work into the script and they're doing this here in our homeland and this is why nobody can feel safe because same people yeah same people with no hesitation gonna gonna kill uh, fellow Americans, in I their mean, political the police already
0: role. did that all the time in America. So okay, there's like two things like that really caught my attention. For example, uh, let's say uh, during the Ferguson protests, actually Yanukovych mm-hmm. made this point. So would they let like a hundred Russians come and make speeches about? No, of um, course
1: not. This is a direct, uh, direct foreign uh, intervention, and uh, you know they saw they so cynical, they not even declined. You know, nobody in Ukraine, and my audience in Ukraine for Ukraine Fire was 7 million people, nobody from Ukrainians declined the fact and our statement and our thesis about that United States helped to that coup d'etat happen. It was not a coup d'etat 100% run by the United States because local interests, local corrupted politicians and the brutal... Uh, immoral people was involved, but the United States played a lead role, a big role, to validate that revolution, to validate that coup as a revolution, to change the regime. And after that, change the course. And now they train Ukrainians to be the anti-Russia. They train oh, yeah. Ukrainians how to fight against Russia, and they bring them to the war
0: also seen ukrainians like training people in hong kong um yes. myanmar uh yes bolivia all you, the other coups too
1: <laughs> holders of ukrainian passports was banned from entering hong kong after the color revolution of umbrellas was underway you know china is won in this it's it's uh this is a very little example how the states can protect themselves from the color revolution attempts we can name that uh, umbrella revolution in Hong Kong. We can name that Belarusian color revolution, what's happened in 2020. And we can name failed attempt in the Kazakhstan in the January of this. Uh, of y- this y- y-
0: yes, I-, I have a quick question. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: How did they fail? Okay, in Kazakhstan, it seems like the president yeah. had, was listening. Um, Torkuyev knew exactly what was going on, and he immediately called CTSO. What did he do different than Yanukovych? Like, how did he understand this? Like, what did you he have that Yanukovych didn't?
1: This is very, very, very uh, good question. I believe, my theory, that Russia was not ready to protect the full Ukraine in 2014 because at this time, Russia has not such a superiority in the military technology as they have now. They have no super hypersonic uh, maneuvering the vehicles in deployed and an army, so they calculate and they understand it will be the direct uh, proxy war so they probably will be a lot of casualties and they they decide to froze the conflict and it was in the minsk agreement but ukraine never proceeded. so yanukovych as i know was asking the putin to bring the troops to ukraine to protect the constitutional regime
0: but there's no treaty but that
1: kazakhstan. was no treaty that kazakhstan has with russia this is because ukraine was dumb enough to not join that treaty of security what russia kazakhstan belarussia armenia kyrgyzstan and tajikistan has yeah and that's play unfortunately bad uh bad uh things but the russian troops in crimea was a totally different things because they have an agreement about base base, base uh, military base in Sevastopol, and uh, and that uh, troops was legit on the ground, not only in the base but in the Crimea, but and, and the Crimea population was completely like ninety percent Russian speaking, and they was afraid of all of this was happening in Kiev. They understand they will be ethnic cleansing, and that will be they will be limited, and that will be war, civil war in the Crimea. So Crimea make the move, and Putin support that move. And of course, they start immediately sanctioning everyone who was involved in this. But you know, you know, I have no doubts about sanctions. Sanctions never work with Russia. Yeah, what exactly I, I,
0: are sanctions? One question. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, I, I was looking at how the wife of Viktor Medvedchuk was saying that, like, mm-hmm. the sanctions meant she lost her job and she couldn't go anywhere. Yes,
1: yes. The Oksana, who is a beautiful woman and a and a, and a big heart was a true believer in the Orthodox Church, true believer there. And she also the media person who did like more than 200 documentaries, who was a host of very famous, the reality show. And she just lost the job in the channel one plus one. Because because they said, you're the, you're the wife of political opposition leader. So you you cannot work here. Yeah, she lost not only work, she, she lost her hairdresser. She lost a lot. She lost a country what she loved and and she was f- standing together with her husband and fighting back and they was not afraid. I actually very much big admirer of Viktor Medvedchuk, how he stands still. He not move out Ukraine even now. Okay, Thank God um, I, I, I believe he's protected in this, but he's not moved because this is his land. He believe Ukraine has a better hope than to be run by neo-Nazi government under <laughs> full foreign control of United States.
0: Oh, okay. Um, okay, so just uh, earlier today when I was doing research about him, there's a report that just came out where it says mm-hmm. uh, uh, basically plan chuka. Yes, he has, a no-
1: he has a numerous attempts on his life
0: including one that's like very that just like came out like 30 minutes ago or something
1: <laughs> oh my god oh my god yeah I probably yeah I don't know that yet but yeah that's that's what? not that's not hard to predict that's not hard to predict this is very very nice stuff they're killing the people they kill two leaders of uh, that separated Donbas uh, region and Lugansk they blow two military commanders and they blow the Mr. Zahar Shinka, who was a who was elected and the uh, leader of donbass region at uh, the donbas People Republic they do this all the time they killing the the writers they killing the bloggers they're killing the journalists they they fire in grenade launchers uh, on a, on a TV station they revoking their lights in this so oh. Ukraine for this this war what they uh, ra- rage against their own people they cross all possible red lines they're not the democratical they failed state, and that state is a brilliant, brilliant thought for the all scam from the entire world coming to fight. You know, it's not a good people who come in to protect no, Ukraine. And I, mostly them,
0: I see that they're singing songs to Bandera, who was yeah. and uh, he was anti-Semitic. He was very violent. Uh uh What's the, what's the other guy's name? <laughs>
1: the Lebed. call it was yes. uh, very, very very uh famous uh the, there's somebody the with the oh,
0: yeah she's uh, the one a... with the statue in canada
1: but, yeah that people they all people collaborate with nazi openly they on the numerous photos they posing with the highest nazi officers mm-hmm. and they run the terror against their own people they kill the jews they kill everyone they burn people alive they do ethnic cleansing that... even even the Nazi was, uh, yes. you know, uh, afraid and shocked how how ruthless that people are.
0: Well, there was a fo- there's a photo called "The Last Jew in Venetia that is like, I mean, it's just like they would kill them with. Bull- it's horrific. So now these people are chanting to them, admiring them as heroes of Ukraine, and it's like the the Western media is looking at these swastikas or. And not asking a single question about it. And so in your documentary, you say something like the press's job has not been to report it, but to cover it up. Talk a little bit
1: about that. Yeah, you know, the press, it's not. And, uh, you know, we press not reporting the news anymore. Press the constructing narration and uh, planting this narration in the heads in the influence operation campaign. And I believe, if, if you know what is the uh, operation Mockingbird, when CIA mm-hmm. infiltrate more than thousand they uh, agents in the different uh, uh, media outlets, and press love it because you know the the more they doing this, they more they rating uh, the people with who is. So it's a very dangerous situation. The press has completely abolish the role of the four power. They mm-hmm. pretend to be power one and only who can elect the presidents, who can uh, topple the president's uh, rulers. So that's what's how press is doing. Well, and they- well, 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 mm-hmm.
0: Sorry. Mm-hmm. One thing okay. that you do mention is um, it reminded me of Iraq, too. Like like the finding that one person to demonize. They, Like in Iraq, they talk about how Saddam Hussein had human shredders, which is ridiculous. And uh, so they did the same thing with Putin. Why is it that they like pay and, and and you're right if you like say something like maybe Saddam Hussein did not have human shredders or maybe Putin I don't know whatever they accused Putin of doing uh, I forgot <laughs> anything it, They're like oh are you a paid Putin supporter and so it demonizes the dissent and why is that strategy so effective?
1: Okay, uh, I can tell you why it's effective because first of all you need to have a perfect villain and that perfect villain is supposed to be not collaborate. And Putin not collaborating. He's uh, representing the interest of Soviet, uh, the Russian people, not people who want to bring the, uh, him to the kind of uh, the collaboration. So what we see now with the demonization of Putin, because he personified personification of Russian power, so they make it personal because making it personal, it's easy to forget about something objective and to do something very subjective cause so they they criticizing him for his by the way the power and uh, we know that putin is a probably most influent uh uh leader alive in the world and this is not just my personal uh, impression from him this is how how the real situation is because what is putin doing now He's not only doing the limited military operation in Ukraine. He's building the new world order because the one polar order is gone on the night of uh, February 22, 2022, and then three multipolar uh, powers emerge to construct the new world order, where no one power can command to others, and it doesn't matter that an Iron Curtain what Curtain what's now uh mr biden try to push on the border of russia that will affect only west you know you disconnecting yeah. russia from the swift russia joining the uh east and china financial systems and and the swift diminishing you disconnect <laughs> your russian from export day oil you will have no oil no gas china will have more so every move yeah, india every I, move,
0: this is the one thing americans don't understand is that when was the last time you got India, Pakistan, and China to agree on anything? And all of them overwhelmingly support like there's nothing, there's no question in India. The BJP and the Communist Party are both mm-hmm. supporting Russia.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they was very surprised. They was very surprised by by the move of India in this conflict.
0: Uh, but- it's like nobody's going. to, uh, I see, Okay, yeah. So, so uh, but it's the truth. I mean, they, they just inv- invites Indian investment in the Russian oil and gas sector, and they already got them.
1: <laughs> that's 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 not a problem for Russia. That's a, that, the, the Russia will uh, already imposing the uh, uh, the conf- confronting sanctions. The, the more that West will try to isolate Russia the more they will benefit to building the new, of new world order what Putin has in mind. So practically, all that sanctions is working to help Putin to build what he is building. And it's inevitable. This is a new world order already. Because first of all, that has a limitation. The West cannot confront Russia directly because it will lead us all to the abyss. Second, the old world, it's not only 28 countries what join United States in bank sanctions. China don't. Even, even not only like a country what was demonized, like Iran, Venezuela, but look, Argentina. Mexico. Brazil, <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> Turkey, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia. Oh my gosh. India was a big surprise for President Biden. He thinks that India will jump on a plane on a, on a board. No. India has no reason to do that. Russia is a big partner for India, and Indians know and China trust me they're now trying to pressure in China to do whatever they can to do that. but no, everything was happening in 2014 from geopolitical perspective was a push by neocons and neoliberals in the United States to push Russia in the, in the arms of China to Why make do they do them that? align.
0: like what what is the, what, what you know? is it that they want?
1: Janet, honestly, because they dump. Because okay. they dump. Uh, you can say anything about Zbigniew Brzezinski who formulated that principles, but he was not dumb. And an Obama administration, that was even the motto in the staff. Don't do stupid stuff because they famous for that. They did it, they produce it, and now they outrageous. They said a lot of, oh, Putin overestimate, the Russian army cannot. Take the, the Kiev for ninety-six or seventy-two hours. Listen, guys, that was State Department who produced this narration. That's you who said Kiev gonna fall in a in a ninety uh, to uh, ninety-six hours.
0: If people wanna see your documentary, um, what's uh, we'll put the address? Is Rumble the best place to go?
1: Yes, Rumble, and you see the Global Three Pictures our production channel here. I will text you this. We we're gonna post a new one today. We're gonna we're gonna post another another uh, third part about Ukraine, and we very much appreciate uh, the Rumble for their help and the, for the giving us a platform.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much for coming. And um, like I said, you're not the first uh, Russian. Uh, well, actually, we, we we spoke to another Russian documentarian um, who made a documentary about Magnitsky, and he had the same exact thing that happened to him, where he got um, basically Bill Browder just like. Uh, banned him from anywhere so you,
1: you're calling up you, you're talking about andrew Nikrasov.
0: yeah yeah yeah. we had him on like about two years ago
1: good friend yeah
0: oh excellent yeah. okay yeah well thank you so much and we will thank put the you link. so much and yes, um
1: please i very have, much appreciate it. thank you have for a having a good me. day
0: and um yeah. and uh, any last comments or any i'll quickly uh where, where's the best place for people to find you on social media
1: Oh, first of all, uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm, I'm on Facebook, but Twitter probably the best. I will be in Parlor soon and everywhere. Any 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 social network, just type my name. And uh, uh, to watch the film, I recommend if people want to have convenient and want to help us to get a little money, we on Apple TV. We're very good on Apple TV. We're number one with Ukrainian okay. Fire on Apple TV from all documentaries. We're also on, uh, on YouTube, still. We're still on YouTube we are on the amazon we are on the uh, other little uh, outlets and we big and rumble so i will i will i will send to you just in case i will send you our visibility report you can see where we are
0: okay thank you so much and have a good day and um, thank you
1: thank uh, you very much Paka-paka Paka-paka". Pak-paka". <laughs> Pak-paka". <laughs> thank you very much for having me here bye
0: bye Music for this show is done by Rectech. You can find him on SoundCloud and on Spotify. W R E C K T E C H. And thank you for listening to our show.